Our precious Father, we just want to thank you again for the great privilege we have to study your word. And we trust you that you will teach us and that you will help us to understand the words that is coming out of here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now today we want to study at, uh, what faith is not. We're looking at what faith is not because it is important as we study what faith is to distill out what faith is not. And then I need to again appeal to us that you need to understand faith properly. If you don't, you're going to lose battles because you will not be able to put up shield of faith. And that's the only thing that can quench every fairy dust that the devil throws at us, and he throws quite a lot. So you need to understand faith. Without faith, your prayers are not going to work. It's on faith we stand. And without it, it's impossible to please God. So you should be very interested in this thing so that you make sure that you have a Bible-based teaching of what faith is. So today we're talking about what faith is not. Last week we concluded that faith is not hope. We looked at Romans chapter 8, verse 24. Romans 8, 24. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he hope for it? But if we hope for what we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. So here is differentiating between faith and hope. Hope, you don't hope for what you have. That's what he's saying. For what we, for, but, but hope that is seen is not hope. If I have something, then I see it, I know it's there. Then what am I hoping for it? It's right there. I'm not hoping that I'm here because I'm here. But you know, faith is seen also. You see what the physical eye does not see. So what you see, you don't hope for it because it really exists. But differentiating this context of hope is that the hope of faith that the scripture says is the substance of things hoped for is that it's substance. It really exists. You are not hoping that it is made. You are really hope, expecting that you will see it. You have a, a, an assurance. This is made and you will see it. But the other context of hope is hoping for things that have not happened, events that have not taken place. The second coming of Christ, for instance, the new, the new body he will give us, for instance. Those things have not happened, and the church is hoping for it. The Bible said we are saved with this hope. We are saved expecting, hoping that when Christ comes, we will see him. So you can understand that when you talk of hope concerning faith, you are not really talking about something that cannot be seen. It's a substance of things hoped for. A substance of things. If it's a substance, then it exists and it can be seen. So hope in the context of Hebrew 11.1 1, is not talking about something that has not, that doesn't exist. It's talking about something that exists. Faith is about now. Hope is about future. Faith is about the substance. Hope is about something that will happen. 
But in, again, in the context of Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Because it's a substance, it does exist, but you're expecting it to happen. It's the evidence of things not seen. You don't, not seen is physical, but it's seen spiritually. You know it's there spiritually. So having said that, let's move on to the next one. Faith is not mental ascent. Mental ascent is not faith. But many people have bought into this and they think they're in faith and they lose battles. They lose the Lord. Because what they're doing is not really faith. An ascent is an expression of approval. You, are, you express approval. You say, yeah, this is true. That is an ascent. But you see, that your approval can be a mental one. But your heart is not in it. It can be a mental thing you give out of emotions, stirred up by emotions, stuff like that. But your heart is not in it. Faith comes from your spirit. From your spirit. Faith is something that is exercised right from the new man, from your spirit. It comes from your heart. Faith does not come from intellect, from human wisdom, from all those things, no. It doesn't come from emotion. It comes from a revelation that your spirit receives. And that your spirit is able to give you assurance that this is true. That's how you see substance. You see it by the eyes of your understanding that your natural does not see. So you can be saying, yeah, I'm healed. But it can be mental. It can be mental. It may not really come from your heart. So Mark, Mark 4.16 tells us what happens here. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and they immediately receive it with joy. See, they receive it with joy. They give assent to it. In public, they, they declare it. Yeah, you know, Jesus heals. Jesus is this, this is our Savior. They declare all those wonderful, wonderful truths. 17, but since they don't have the fruits, they don't last long. They don't understand it. It's not deep in them. They don't last long. As soon as they leave the environment that stars that emotional thing, that stars their, their positive talk, as soon as they leave that environment and they are now on their own, realize that what they were saying in public didn't really come from their heart. Because now he said, he said see, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. It only lasts with it, you know, being propped up by people in church and all that kind of thing. But when they're on their own, it doesn't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems and are persecuted for believing God's word. They fall away. You see, so mental accent is not faith at all. Those who have mental accent, they talk, they talk, but they don't walk, they walk. They talk, they talk. They give excited accent. They declare everything. They shout praise the Lord and shout hallelujah. But when it comes to acting, acting out those things they are saying, they fall short. And because they don't understand that it is only their mental realm, they are using their mental level to say those things. They think it's faith. Because they were saying it in church, or they were saying it before people, they think it's faith. It's not faith. Because faith without action, without action is dead. It doesn't exist. So a mental accenter has no action to back up his words. Matthew 23, 3, it says, All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. This is the Pharisees. They will teach the correct thing, talk the correct thing. But do not, 
do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. They say and do not. That's a mental assenter. He assents mentally, talks, you know, you can talk with friends. If you hear him talk, you think that really, really, man, this, this, this guy is in real faith. He can talk the real deal, the right words, like these people. Jesus said, all therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that to observe and do, because they are teaching what Moses taught them in the Old Testament. He said, but do not teach after their words, for they only talk and they don't do. They only talk, they don't do. When they say one thing, when the chiefs are down, you see them really act, they have, they have plan Bs, and they never really trusted the world all this while. They never did. Their action be, be, betrays where their faith is. The action reveals what really is in their heart. Because action speaks louder than words. That was one sixteen. They profess that they know God, but in works, they deny him. Be, you know, they profess that they know God, but in works, they deny him. And such people can swear that they're in faith. Because they're saying the right things. But they don't understand that they don't have action. Especially when, when it's between them and their issues. When the church is no more there, people are no more there. And they behave, these people they behave differently depending on the crowd where they are. They really, they, they, you never can fix them. You know, so you can hear such people, you say, wow, this person is in faith. But you don't know what they do after that. You don't know what they do after that. They are declaring that God has healed them, but when they go home, they have different prayer groups. They are calling again for the same thing they say God healed us. They have different prayer groups. They are calling again. They are getting all manner of oil, water, and everything. And yet, they say, you, you hear them in public, you are like, wow, these are Jim Jim. They don't believe nothing because their action can't stand, does not stand. Because if they believe that God has done it, then there should be peace in their heart. There's no need bothering again. I mean, if I believe that I have a shit and it's coming to me, why am I bothering the company? Why am I calling people, call that company to manufacture a shit for me when I know it has been done? You see, such people say a lot of stuff, but in privacy, they have plan B, plan C, and they have groups they call, you know, and they tell this group different things, they this group different things. They're praying for the same thing, praying for the same thing. And when they say, I believe, pastor, I have faith. I have faith. Yeah, Jesus healed me. And he healed me. Yeah. But the action is saying, he, I don't believe he did. And that's why I'm making this alternative plan and doing this thing. So our action, if there's no action, our faith is waste of time. And that is just a mental ascent. I hope professes with mouth, but his action is lacking. There's no confidence in the word of God. And the problem he has is that he's looking at the physical to validate the authenticity of the word of God. It will never happen. You will never be able to validate God's word by what you see because God's word is not revealed to your senses. From here till Monday, it will never happen. Your senses don't know nothing about God's word. Don't know nothing about spiritual life. Don't know nothing about spiritual realm. And God, you are trusting, is a spirit. He walks in the spiritual realm. And this, your senses, whatever God is doing, the spiritual world is not revealed to it. So how do you think that by your senses now, you can validate God's word? And so when such people, you know, they don't see immediate results, they don't see this, 
There is sought to plan B and plan C. They are not consistent. The Bible says that, that you know, they, they, their, their joy does not last for a long time. They give up. And they start pursuing other things. Yeah, they'll be saying, I believe God. Yeah, pastor, you know, I have faith. And they say the right things. But you don't follow them home. You don't know what they're doing. So look at um, the real faith is faith. Look at 1 Samuel 17, 45. Let's look at faith that is not from the mental realm. A man that said it and backed it up with action. 1 Samuel 17, 45. David replied to the Philistine, you came to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you, and cut off your head. See how he's talking about what God will do. And, when I, and then I will give the, the, give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and this a 12-year-old boy making boast of his God. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 47. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spears, not with physical things. It's always by his spirit. You see, people who, do, people, people who walk in this mental lesson, they think God walks by, by physical things. So they're looking at physical things. And if they can't see how it will work, they, oh, they're in trouble. They're sweating and jumping all over the place. But they should have peace. Because God works by his spirit. It's not by sword and spear. So you can't figure out how it's done. It's not your business to figure out how it's done. This is the lost battle. And he will give you to us, period. David, how is he going to do that? David, is not his business. He knows that God will get this Goliath down and get all these people down. He's telling them what God will do. This is faith coming. He believes this thing from his heart. This is not a mental thing. As, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David ran out to meet him. This is action and word agreeing. He, he believed what he was saying. And when the robber missed the road, he ran towards Goliath. He didn't hesitate and say, can we pray some more? About this thing, I need more prayer, please. No, no, he knew he knew what he was talking about. He said, This is what God, what God is going to do because God is a God of covenant. He said, Hey, these are the armies of the living God, and this battle is the Lord, so he's fighting it right now. I don't need no more prayers about this. Thing. I know what God is doing, these are his covenant people, and he declared it. And when it was time, he ran to us, 12-year-old boy, with no, nothing to defend him, no training, nothing. Ran to us a giant of, of noble, that somebody's known for warfare, who, who is known for exploits. It's like running towards a tank, a military tank, with nothing. A 12-year-old boy, the, who was not even counted in the army, was running towards danger and death. That is faith, my brothers and sisters. Action speaks. Faith without action is waste of time. And your action does not depend on what you, the physical things. It depends on what you know that God is doing. And people who don't know will call you a fool. They say, I use wisdom. They would have told David, ah, use wisdom. We too are Christians. You know? Yeah, they are Christians, but they are mental assenters too. They club, a club of mental assenters. 
Many people are just simple mental assenters. They talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. Now, James says this in James 2.26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. Now, the second thing that mental assenters do, apart from that they don't walk the walk, is that they, their words are so inconsistent. So inconsistent. They come to church, they say one thing. When you pray, they say hallelujah, God has done it. They go to their friends and begin to complain about the same thing. They go to, that is, that is, you can't fix them. They talk according to the environment. So their action does not correspond to what they say. And their words is so inconsistent. One time they are praising God and worshiping God. They see another bunch of people, they start murmuring and complaining. And after murmuring and complaining, they think that it's even so funny about it. After saying all those things, they say, you know, but I, I believe God shall, I believe God, you know, I believe. You don't believe nothing. If you have the spirit of faith, you say so. If you are redeemed, say so. If God is done, you say so and be consistent. Don't have nothing. And yet they see they have faith. So what they say depends on who shows up. And then they listen to all manner of stuff. And they, are, they don't have good report most of the time. Because they shift like shifting sand. They walk by sight. They walk by human wisdom. They walk by sight. So how can you give good, 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 good report when you're walking by sight? Only the testimony of God is good. Left it longest time. Hebrew 11.2. For by, by faith, that is by faith. By it, the elders obtained a good report. A good report. Remember the Bible talks of the evil report, which does not line up with what God said. Evil report. Say we saw giants. With, yeah, there were giants there. But another group of people say, yeah, but God will give us the land as part of the giant. And then, you know, so these, these are centers. They, oh, if you hear the word they're talking about scripture and jumping up and down, you think you have the real deal. You don't follow them around. No, you don't. Sometimes even in their homes, they're watching television. You see where they, they hiss and start talking negative stuff because they listen to any junk. Start talking according to television and reporters and everything. And after talking all that, talking all that, talking all that, when they see you say, Pastor, I have faith to I believe. You don't believe nothing. Hebrew 10, 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. That's faith. You don't waver. You must be consistent. Because if you really believe in your heart, it's settled. We sing it, the word is settled in heaven. It should be settled in our hearts too. It should be settled. For out of the abundance of the heart, the man speaks. If you are giving different stories all over the place, you know, he, he, he's here, talk about how things are bad here, talk about here, and, then, and after all, you bring this, this thing, you say, oh, I believe God, you know, I believe. You don't believe nothing. Your, your word is betraying you. The Bible says if you have the spirit of faith, you say it. We don't wither. Wavering is not faith. And then, the other thing I want to talk about is that faith is not presumption. Presumption is some things we do thinking they are correct. And there is no proof that they are correct. <clears throat> Denominational things we do, 
things we learn from friends and things like that. We do them and we think it's faith, but really it's not faith. It's just presumption. You are presuming. You are simply assuming that that is faith. And presumption is very dangerous because you could be doing the wrong thing when your life is at stake. You could be doing the wrong thing and that's not faith. And so, and then such kind of actions, they don't have any backing of any scripture or the word of God at all. It's just what I think it should be. And I'm doing it and I say, yeah, I have faith. And then again, you know, doing something because it worked for somebody else. Because somebody gives a testimony, said, I did this, and God did this, uh, hallelujah. And then you presume that it will work for you the same way. You go and copy the person and fail. You fail because you don't know what God told him. You don't know what is between him and God and why God chose to handle his issue that particular way. You think God will handle your own that particular way too. It's presumption. God didn't tell you I will handle yours that particular way. He didn't even tell you I'll give you the same scripture. There are circumstances God will give you different instruction. He chooses how to handle things. You don't choose it for him. So you don't, you don't, you don't want to be like the Joneses. That presumption. You're just assuming that because it happened like this for this person, it has to happen the same way for me. It's not true. It's not true. You don't have any scripture that tells you that. You don't have any. <clears throat> so you, if you follow that kind of thing, it's, you end up in presumption. Again, we do things because somebody tells you to do that, but you don't have any persuasion. The Bible says, whatever is not of faith is sin. You don't have, you're not, you say, let every man be persuaded in what is it. If you, are not, you have, have no persuasion, you are just doing that because somebody is telling you to do that. You don't force faith on people. Actually, you can't give anybody faith. Faith comes from their hearing God, not from you. So you can't, you can't dump religion and dump anything on somebody and try to manipulate them to do it. You, they, they, they may be doing it, but their heart is not in it. That's presumption. So make sure that what you are doing, that the scripture approves it to start with. And you must hear from God to give you instruction. That's the basis of doing something that has foundation in the word of God. You may not hear a voice. You don't have to hear a voice. But when you go to scripture, you find what God is talking about. Proverbs 2.6 For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. From his mouth. From his mouth. God will give you what they call rhema. The whole Bible we read. We, can, we must have to read the Bible. Because if you don't read the Bible, you won't get rhema. So all that Bible is, is logos, just general, general stuff that God put out there. But God will quicken a scripture for you in a particular situation. It will jump out from that scripture. And you know, yeah, this is, this is for me. You don't need to, you don't need to ask anybody. That, that scripture will stand out and won't leave your mind. It's not going anywhere. The spirit of God will quicken it for you. You know, so those are the things that gives you assurance that what you are doing is now based on divine uh, instruction. And again, something you do that worked for you the other time may not work again. You did it before it worked, it may not work again. You don't have to walk in presumption and say, ah, this is why I did it. No, it may not work again. Remember Israel. God told them, you know, Moses, you can get this serpent and hang it up there. If they look at it, they get saved. Yeah, they were healed by looking at it and then now they started worshipping it as a tradition. They started dying. 
Instead of being healed, they were now dying. So that was presumption. So, <clears throat> so another thing we do is that we think that another presumption is thinking that prayer is faith. Prayer is not automatically faith. That you pray doesn't mean you have, you have faith. Somebody say, I prayed. Yeah, so. The, the prayer of faith is different from praying. A lot of people pray, but they don't pray in faith. You can even pray amiss, and God is saying, what are you talking about? So prayer doesn't mean you have faith. But there's prayer of faith. So in, in Mark chapter 10, verse 38, but Jesus said to them, you don't know what you are asking. Look at that. You don't know what you're asking. don't know what you're talking about. So it's not every prayer that is, is really, that counts. Jesus said, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're asking. And then such a person will go out and say, you know, I have faith, I pray. No. It's presumption to think because you prayed, you're in faith. It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. And then the reason is Mark, Mark 12, 24. Jesus replied, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures. And you don't know the power of God. You don't know how God works. So you just presume because you pray, there has to be faith. He said, yeah, that's our mistake. We don't know the scriptures. To know how God works. Moses said, God, show me your ways. Show me your ways. And so such people do not take time to learn, to study from scriptures. What it says about prayer. What it teaches about faith. And even when it's being taught in their church, they won't, be, they won't follow. They won't listen. And even when they listen, they don't give it attention. And when they need it, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. Let me, let me make a statement here. If God ever gives you privilege to know something, listen to me really good. If God ever gives you privilege to know something and you, you don't take that privilege and something happens, you are your own. If God gives you privilege and you, you, you bluff it, dishonor it, and you don't count it as anything, you have a problem. Something happens, you sort it out. The prayer that works is the prayer of said in faith. Not just every prayer. Prayer said in faith. James 5.15 And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. James 1.5 If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to him. It will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Let him ask in faith. It's not every prayer. There is prayer that you ask in faith. Then when you ask in faith, you don't doubt. You don't doubt. You don't doubt. You don't ask and begin to doubt whether God had you, didn't hear you. You don't doubt. Verse 7. 
For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. You see, that's not every prayer that gets the answer. So, so presuming that because I pray that I have faith, it's not correct. It's not correct. The question is, is it the prayer of faith? And the prayer of faith starts from where faith comes. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Jesus Christ, by the gospel. Faith comes by hearing the word of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the author of our faith. Our faith comes from him, comes from him. Because he is the guarantor of all the blessings we have to, to, from God. He is the guarantor. And it's only in him that these blessings come. It's through him. No man cometh to the Father except by him. No man. So he is the he is the he is the source of our faith. Because in him is all the all the all the wisdom and knowledge that we need is in him. That source of faith, that information, that thing that you need, the Spirit of God will reveal to you, is in Christ. It's in him. So faith comes by hearing the words about Jesus Christ. So you must hear what God is, is telling you first about your issue, derived from what Christ has achieved for you, the privileges you have, which you can enjoy now, that the Spirit of God is quickening to you and reminding you. So that's where the faith comes from. That's where it comes from. So if you do what Jesus did, then you can really pray the prayer of faith. John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, when the words of God is abiding, which means active in you, it's not like the one that had excited and for a short while the thing goes away. No, no, no. It's abiding in you. It's staying in you. Like Proverbs says, it says keep it in your heart. Keep it in view. It's abiding in you. Then you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Because that's what brings you faith. It reveals to you the grounds on which you expect this thing to happen. Now, if you don't have this thing, you don't have foundation for faith. And that's how people pray and they're nervous because they, they are not sure what will happen. They don't know what will happen because they didn't hear from God. But if you hear from God, you know what will happen. You know. And it's easy to hear from God by studying and going to scriptures. Going to scriptures. I remember when one of my students had an issue, and all I did was take scriptures and started studying on healing, focused on it, until the Lord quickened it in my spirit. Quickened it in my spirit that by his stripes, he was healed. And I said, yes, Lord. When you quickened it, but I was, you couldn't tell me anything. I knew this was done. And then I called the whole family before their eyes, in one second, the thing was gone. Because I was sure now, going out there wasn't no more. It wasn't from my mental realm. It was coming from my spirit. Because a scripture from the Holy Spirit has been quickened in my spirit. So I was sure. Now look at this example, Romans 4, 18. We're talking about Abraham now. Even when there was no reason, even when there was no reason for hope, no reason for hope at all, Abraham kept hoping. Believing that he will become the father of many nations. For God has said to him. You see the reason? For God has said to him. That's how many descendants you will have. What, this thing God said to him. Look at what they did in verse 19. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Even though at about 100 years age. He figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Because God said to him. Hey Abraham. I made you a father of many nations. So he said, wow, that's it. God said it. So he, he didn't bother about his age or anything because God told him, this is, who, this is it. 
So he was looking for, say, yeah, it will manifest. It will manifest. God, he wasn't calling God in prayer and say, Lord, you remember what you told me at that time? I haven't seen it yet, too. Remember to be faithful. No, sometimes we want to teach God to be faithful. We want to remind him you need to be faithful, though. As if to say God has, has never been unfaithful. And his word is a faithful word. So Abraham simplifies walking in something that is not presumption because you heard from God from the word. So, and where there is no faith, God's power lies dormant. So we, uh, if you don't pray a prayer of faith, the power of God is there to do those things, but it lies dormant. Mark 6, 5. And he could there do no mighty work. That is Jesus. Couldn't do. Could, can't. Couldn't means was not able. Could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folks and healed them. Verse 6. And he marveled because of their unbelief. That's what stopped him. Couldn't believe him. So if, if I pray if a prayer that is in doubt, I stop him. The power is there. It lies dormant. And he went around the other villages teaching. Teaching. Mark 5, 34. And he said unto her daughter, thy faith have made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of that plague. Your faith. Your faith. Because he heard about Jesus. And he believed what he had. And he came and acted on it. He said, your faith made you whole. Not Jesus. He said, your faith. It's your faith that activated that power that has always been there. And then he brought you what you expected. Now, you know, prayer of faith also ends with this expectation. Mark eleven twenty two, And Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, this is Jesus talking, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Believe you receive them. Because God told you. God has quickened you and given you a scripture. You now know. You are sure. You are no more going to pray wondering what will happen. No, no, no. You know what will happen. And when you talk to God about it, you come out smiling knowing that it's done. You are not looking at the physical things because that thing God told you was not revealed to your eyes and senses. You can't understand it. If you look towards that, you lose it. You lose the thing. You lose it. A doubt will come. Because what you're trying to employ now does not know what God told you. You can't understand it. The carnal mind does not understand the things of God. But you had it from your spirit. That's why it's not, it's not coming from your mental realm. It's coming from your spirit. It's spiritually discerned. Your spirit picked it up. You had it from your spirit. It's spiritually discerned, not carnally discerned. You know, so, so, so when you pray, you know that God, this is what God said, yeah, this is the situation now. Then you begin to thank God for it that I have it. Then the Bible says, you will have it and you will not uh, waver. Again, I want to remind us that faith is about the miraculous act of God. Faith is not about what you do or what I do. Faith is about what God is doing. Every act of God is supernatural. Everything God does is spiritual. The spirit world just invades the natural world and, and does something that nobody, you can't explain it. It, it defies science. It defies any human understanding. You know, that's why all these, all these lecturers in the universities who are not Christians, they confuse these young children because they go and teach them about evolution and stuff like that. And they teach them about carbon, carbon dating. They say, oh yeah, if the world were created by this time, you know, this thing is carbon dated, it's six million years and all that. What they don't know, let me make it clear to all of them, what they don't know is that they will never know God from carbon dating, period. They don't even understand the language of the Bible. 
They read the Bible from their carnal knowledge. They think it's geography or science. They don't understand when God says one day, they don't know what one day means from God. God hid it from them. They don't understand that what they are reading is spirit. It's spiritual knowledge. It's not, not, when God says one year, they don't know what one year means to God. When God says one day, they don't even know what one day means to God. And yet they talk of light year, this year. God has his own year, has his own dates, has his own what it means by one day. Only he can tell you what one day means. You can't tell God what one day means. When God says, I did this and I did this like this, he, that's absolutely true. And until you believe it, he will never reveal it to you what that means. So you'll be going with all this carnal knowledge with which the, the Bible said that God has resolved that this world by wisdom will never know him. So you will never understand creation until you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You will never. So you go around bringing your carbon dating and all what lessons. Some of them, all these theories of evolution hasn't even been proven. It's still a theory yet. Still a theory yet. Hasn't even been proved. So I'm, I'm just deviating there so we know that the, 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 the miracle of God is what you are trusting. It's the act of God. It's a spirit phenomenon. It is done by his spirit. You can't explain it. You can't figure it out. You, can, you just don't know how. So that's why you don't bother about it. So for us to really develop faith, we must know who God is. We must understand and know his power, his greatness, and his faithfulness. Two key things we must know. Otherwise, when things get rough, and they do get rough, we give up. Look at what Abraham said about God. Romans 4, 19, I think. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Science would have said, this is, this is waste of time. But look at 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded. See why? Persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. That God can bring out something out of dead, dead bodies. He knew the greatness of divine power. He was persuaded about them. So he couldn't be moved. He, he, he said, 100 years doesn't mean anything to him. He's God. That's why without faith, you can't please God. Doesn't mean anything to God. He wasn't with everyone. You go and check Sarah and check himself and say, oh, we are still getting, God, remember, we are still getting, no, 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 no. He was persuaded, fully persuaded about the ability of God. So to be fully persuaded about God's power and the ability of his faithfulness, we need to have the Holy Spirit reveal the greatness of divine power to us and the nature of God, the faithfulness of God. We need to know that. And he does that by revealing Christ to us. Christ Jesus to us. He revealed Jesus to us. Jesus Christ is the visible image of God. He is the visible image of God. He is the visible image of, look at Colossians 1.15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So he will re, that's how God revealed himself in Christ. So the Holy Spirit will reveal to you the, the power of God in, through Christ, reveal to you the faithfulness of God through Jesus Christ. And that's why I keep saying, study to know Christ. Focus on knowing him. That's how you find the greatness of God, the power. Paul was talking about the great power that raised Jesus from the earth, from the dead. 
The faithfulness of God is found in Christ. It's found in Christ. Totally found in him. So we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is the only one who can reveal to us the greatness of divine power, the greatness of his faithfulness. And this can come to us through three ways. Dedicated study of the scripture. Not just reading Bible generally, but you have to have a goal to know Christ and him, and him crucified. Like Paul had. Because in him is all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that you need to have about God. Remember, it's a visible image of God. So you have to focus on knowing Jesus. And then you sit under the teachers that God has given you. Now, if you, don't, if you are not humble, you, you God will show you his glory. God resists the proud. He doesn't show them nothing. A humble person will sit down and be teachable. But a proud person knows it all. And it's off. And there's a spiritual law that says when you lift yourself up, you're obviously coming down. So the Holy Spirit will always point us to Jesus Christ. Always point us to Jesus Christ, who is the power of God, who is the revelation of God. Look at John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has had. He will tell you about the future for him. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. He will reveal the glory of Jesus to us. The power of God. Christ, the power of God to us. He's not going to be talking religion. It's Christ he's focusing on. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. That's what Jesus said. And then look at the scripture. Why do you cite the scripture? The scripture points you to Jesus. Look at John 5.39. You cite the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scripture points to me. That's what Jesus said. The scriptures point you to Christ. The Holy Spirit points you to Christ. Because in him you have the knowledge, the relevant knowledge about God. It's all in him. And all your privileges that God gave you on earth is in Christ. All your blessings that God gave you on earth is in Christ. So he'll point you there. So from there you see this is my, this is my privilege. Your faith will rise to receive them, to act on them. He will point you to Jesus. And then Philip, look at, Philip went to, that's John 1.45. John 1.45. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. He is the subject of, of, of scripture. Moses and the prophets wrote about Jesus. The focus of all their writing is Jesus. Because it's God's plan for mankind. A divine plan is, it was consummated in Christ. No plan B. And the Holy Spirit is here to reveal it to us and execute it in our lives. Now, the church also points to Jesus. How you know a, a true living church is a church that points people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit points people to Jesus. The scripture points people to Jesus. And if the Holy Spirit is walking in that church and the scripture is being read in that church, that church will be pointing people to Jesus. The scripture and the, and the, and the Spirit agree. The word and the Spirit agree. Look at uh, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. It's talking about the church. Be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. Telling people about me everywhere. And then you pray that God will reveal these things to you. Ephesians 1.18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in this is. 
And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenlies? He said, the, the, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that being opened, that we know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in all saints, that we saints have, 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who to believe that God needs to open my eyes and your eyes to see the greatness of divine power revealed, revealed in Christ. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ. The greatness of divine power is revealed in Christ. But if God, if the Holy Spirit doesn't show it to you, it becomes Bible story. You will not see the great, you, we need to know the greatness of this power. So we know when you meet, when things come your way, you are persuaded like Abraham. You are confident that God is able to handle this thing. And what he said, he will do it. Which he wrote in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. See, the Spirit of God is taking the church. See the divine power in what he did in, in Christ. If you want to see divine power, the greatness of the power, look at the, look at the grave and see where God raised him from the dead. He said that that's an exhibition of incredible power of God. But if the Holy Spirit doesn't show you this, it's another Bible story, another day. And let me add, if you have the habit of not doing what God says, just forget about knowing him. He will not reveal it to you. If you snub God, you don't get honored by God. If you have this habit of living the way you like, forget it. You are not serious. If you are not ready to prove to God by your action and the price you are prepared to pay for this knowledge, that this is important to you, it's important to you, and you show it by your private attention to Scripture and public attention to Scripture, if you don't prove that this is important to you, God will show it to you. We'll show it to you. What you don't do in, what, what you don't do in, in private, your public action is just, is just you know, being because of the crowd. If you don't see God in private, and the only, the only time you see God is come to church, you won't, see, you won't get much. You have to, like Mary, take your Bible and go at the feet of Jesus and sit down. And then the Spirit of God will now bring you to this public one where you have people who teach the scriptures and Sunday school and things like that. And then you see and you begin to be used to expand the word. And the more you expand it as you teach it, the more you know it. The more you understand it. The more you grow in it. But if you are not, if you are not interested in the, in the private thing, there is nothing to reward you in public. Because Paul was pursuing the knowledge of Jesus. See what he said in 2 Timothy 1.12. For the quit cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I believe and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Persuaded about the faithfulness of God. Faithfulness of God. He's able to keep what is committed into his life. I know him very well. I understand his faithfulness. How did Paul come to know this? He said, I want to know Christ. He was pursuing this knowledge and he came to see the faithfulness of God be revealed to him in Christ. Now, there is the spiritual part of knowing God which helps us to know his power too and his faithfulness. Now, listen, if you've never experienced God, you've never believed God for $100, 
you can't believe him for $1,000. Just forget it. If you never believe God for headache, headache, you've never, never, headache. How do you want to believe God for something serious? You don't jump like that. You grow in faith. You don't, you don't jump like that. You don't. You will not be able. It's that your growth in faith, in love, that makes you, when things come, that is big, you are experienced with God, you stand. So, so when people don't care about understanding faith and they don't practice living in faith on a daily basis, when huge things come, they flop and they begin to employ all these presumptive, presumptive things they think is faith because they are not too taught in what faith is. They are not experienced in practicing it. So experience will give you the knowledge of God. Look at 1 Samuel 17.34. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock, and I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his bed, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he had defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. If David had not stood, had not practiced trusting God, if he had not practiced this thing, with the bear and the lion, God will never send him to face Goliath. Goliath will eat him like breakfast and lunch and dinner together. He will not be able. If Goliath yells at him, that guy will run. But this man has practiced this thing in private. Nobody saw it. This is not a church thing. In private, he trusted God. He risked his life. He trusted God. He practiced it. And when he saw Goliath, he said, wow, yeah. <laughs> the same God that did this will take out this guy. That's how it works. You grow in faith. You have to have, the Bible says we overcome with the words of our testimony. You have to have testimony where you practice trusting God. You practice it. You practice it. So when this thing comes, you say the same God is still alive. And this will take you out. So we know God by experience. And then he helps us to be confident in him when the tough things show up. Brethren, I want to tell you something. This is faith. Faith is divine action without human intervention and cannot be explained. Let me read this. Mark 8, 4 to 9. And his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, How many loaves have you? And they said, Seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves, gave thanks, break and gave to his disciples and, and to sit before them. And they did, they did set them before the people. And they had a small, a few small fishes. And he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. So that they did eat and were filled. And they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about 5,000. And he sent them away. This is faith. How do you feed 5,000 men and thousands of women with seven loaves? It's not about what you have. It's about the spirit power. It's about the spirit world. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about divine intervention. It is not about what you have. It's not about power. It's not about might. If you trust God, trust God. 
shows his power. Abraham says he can do this. How do you feed thousands with seven, seven loaves and few fishes? And then you have, you, have, you have seven baskets coming out of it. It's by the spirit of God. No science, no man can explain this. The same thing with you. What you believe God to do is impossible with man. So stop bothering yourself and worrying how. You can't. But with God, it's possible. That is faith. I want to read one more and then I will go. Matthew 14, 25. And about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, walking on the water. Yes, come. Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat, walking on the water toward Jesus. This is faith. Explain it. How can a man step out and start walking on water? This is faith. This is the power of God at work. This is divine intervention. The greatness of his power was displayed at a man out of the word of God because God said, come, a man did impossible. Coming from the word of the living God. Scientists can't explain this. Forget it. Colleges can't. It's by the spirit of God because of the word that came from the living God to a man and said, come. Come. Faith. He acted on what God said. He stepped on water. This is faith. They asked poor young, young Chu. They came to him because God was moving in his church and moving in the nation through him. So the newspapers came to him and said, can you explain faith to us in a simple form? We're not Christians, just, we're Buddhists, just in a simple form. So he said, okay, I will tell you, but you have to publish it. They said, we'll publish it. He said, okay, if you take a, 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 an egg and throw an egg on a rock, what happens? Ah, they said the egg will break. He said, no, it's not true. He said, when you throw it by faith, the rock will break. He said, that's faith. May the Lord help us to understand in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you and give you praise and give you glory. For your word is true and clear. With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And to him that believeth, all things are possible. Because it's by your spirit. Your spirit knows no impossibility. Your spirit knows no impossibility at all. It will make you walk on water. It will use an egg to break rock. It will use a 12-year-old boy to bring down Goliath because it's not by the power of man. It's not by the knowledge of man. It's by your spirit, says the Lord. And with you, all things are possible. Help us to understand these things so that we can trust you and, and trust you with all our heart and enter the rest of faith. And enter the rest of God, knowing that it's not us, but you. And if it is you, and you have said it, then it is done. Thank you, precious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.